All right. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders, the dedicated Ashes of Creation podcast now running its 40th episode strong. Um, where our dedicated Pathfinders venture into weekly episodes discussing theory crafting, game updates, community, your questions, and all things Ashes. I want to give shout outs, as always, to the Patreon supporters and Paladins here of the Crusade, which are subscribers here on Twitch. Um, thanks so much for your support. As always, uh, you keep things rolling along week after week. The Crusade, marching strong. Um, I want to give a welcome to my co-host, Daedalus, your Ashen Herald. Welcome, Daedalus. Hey, everybody. And our returning guest yet again, Zeke the Phoenix. Welcome, Zeke. What's up? So first of all, I'm gonna just going to apologize to everybody. Uh, if you can't tell, um, maybe you can't tell at the moment, but my voice is wrecked. I've been sick for the past week. <clears throat> but we're still here, marching strong. So um, if I'm not my loud, usual self, it's probably because I'm trying not to crack like a, a boy, um, you know. You know what I'm saying, a youngster who's starting to get a little bit of depth in his voice. Holy <laughs> man, I'm doing good at reeling these things in more and more consistently every week. Um we got a pretty cool episode this week, though, man. Um, we 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 were talking last week, and we had some things that we didn't cover. Um, but this week's episode, the 40th episode, we're calling Artisan. Um, and just like it sounds, we'll be discussing... Lights. Oh, right. will we be discussing wow. anything before I say thanks, Ian, to King, for that resub? Nice three three months. months, man. Thank you so much, Ian. Appreciate it, man. Much love, dude. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about <clears throat> Artisan, meaning... Uh, professions. We want to talk a little bit, um, kind of carrying on the conversation from last week, where we were discussing, uh, we were discussing, um, you know, the grind, gearing a character, um, kind of all that uh, early development, in-game development, as far as like uh, progression paths and things like that. Um, but yeah, I know that you guys have made some notes for this particular episode. You all had a lot to say, which is great because my voice is shot the hell. So uh, I'm going to let you all do a little bit more of the talking this week, I think, if, if all goes well. Um, but our first main point, and I'll definitely chime in after I hear what you guys think about this, but um, maintaining balance in game, right? Like that's that's like one of the, the hallmarks uh, for game developers is being able to maintain balance in game. And you see it all the time. You see the lack of balance in classes. You see lack of balances in maybe gear sets. Um, you see that meta coming to hat coming to fruition um, <clears throat> a lot of times, um, and a lot of times it's because of poor game design, uh, it, at least from my perspective, where they just really don't do a good job balancing. They make rash decisions sometimes, overly tuning things, uh, maybe not tuning something enough, maybe not even addressing something at all, letting it just kind of go to the wayside. Um, but yeah, like you know, you think about looting and gearing. How's that meaningful? in the end game. Now we talked about progression paths previously where we had, you know, vertical progression, right? In world of Warcraft, for example, where it's all about the gear and the grind <clears throat> and we got horizontal, which tends to be a little more um, d indicative of, uh, you know, uh, a lot of different skills, kind of choosing where, where you want to aim yourself um, and how you want to kind of uh, create your own, your own spec, if you will, maybe potentially through a system of, morphing a skill, transitioning it into something somehow. And that's something we're going to talk a little bit about in a different capacity here in Ashes of Creation, a system we're calling augmentation. Um, but, you know, that's a very vital, vitally important uh, piece to an MMORPG. Um, and a lot of times in my experiences where, you know, and, and I'm just going to be talking from my experience here, but I feel like that's where they tend to just beat a game into the ground. Uh, because they don't do a good job of maintaining a very healthy balance in that. And the result is, well, you know, nobody wants to play because you've got to be running around playing two or three different ways and the rest is obsolete. That's no fun. So what are some of your guys' thoughts about maintain, maintaining balance in game, where we see some of those problems, um, and maybe where we should be keeping our sights and ashes? Well, I mean, personally, I think one of the biggest things we've heard pretty recently, um, though I, I know the devs have touched on it in the past, is that, you know, crafting and world bosses are going to be the main source of top tier loot, obviously raiding as well. 
um, at, to some extent. I think um, there's always going to be players that want to push to the hard content and conquer that ASAP. Um, but one thing that I do like about um, the developers and what they're doing um, with Ashes is they're really focusing on well, however you want to spend your time, that's going to be a meaningful activity for you. So you might invest in killing world bosses. You might go after that raid, you know, aspirational content. Um, you might gather materials and craft and really partner with player crafters and processors and so on, and gatherers as a way to balance whatever activity you do. There's a path to be able to gear and and the hope here is that the node system will be random to an extent where it keeps that gear fresh right whether and and you've talked about this maybe in other forums and kind of off and on but what would it take to do that you might you know in one encounter because you've leveled a node in a certain way have a particular boss to kill that has a specific set of skills or a specific type of damage that might change up depending on how the node progresses over time. It might be different between, you know, server and server. So I think it's going to take time for people to advance their node. And so they all need to work together um, to be able to, uh, you know, to be able to advance, whether that's advanced in a raid environment, advance in any encounters. So I think that to me is going to be the way they're going to keep gearing meaningful because it's always going to be ever evolving versus how maybe rating and endgame content is. You talked, you know, you just mentioned, Sam, about um, World of Warcraft. You know, it comes to mind from my personal experience, and that's really static, right? It's static until the next encounter comes in. And then you do have different levels mm -hmm. of rating, you know, your you know, normal, heroic, mythic, et cetera. Um, and there are going to be different tweaks to that. But generally, I mean, you're not going to go in and have a different rate experience at the same level of difficulty um, week on week. Mm -hmm. The goal from Intrepid's perspective is that may be the case is you're going to have a different experience. It might be something subtle. It might be something more um, broad, but the bottom line is you're always going to want to do something with your build or with your gear to be able to be at your peak performance in a raid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for like some of the stuff I was, uh, wrote down for my notes is some of the things I don't want to see is like an endless gear progression where it's a like endless vertical progression. Cause what I always notice about games that, um, that kind of do that is you get this huge gap between being a level 50 who just started versus a level 50 who's been playing for a while there's like there's such a gear gap that they get like one-shotted and then you don't enjoy your time progressing and then any upgrade you get until you hit the the peak or whatever is just it just doesn't feel like it's worth the time but then the moment you hit the peak you're like all right now i'm competitive and it's like i don't like that i like seeing it kind of be a progressive like Oh, I feel a little stronger. I feel a little stronger and I can compete a little more and a little more and a little more. But like the difference between the max gear and the, like the, 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 the lowest tier possible or whatever, I don't like seeing a, a percentage wise difference of greater than like, you know, 50 to 80% more, uh, more powerful than the other person. I want to see like, at least to the point where you can kind of compete if you are like more skilled versus the person who's got full gear versus you who's got base gear. If you are more skilled, you at least could survive for a little bit longer than say, you know, in a game where you just get one shot instantly. And like, that's what really bothers me about a lot of progression systems is you end up getting these like, w what feels like pointless upgrades. And, and I, I want them to avoid that kind of thing where it might as well, it's like at that point, you might as well either just have one gear set. And it's like at that point, why even have a progression system? Yeah, that's a really good point. And uh, Ian brought up something as well, right? I mean, what we're not, what I mean, what we're definitely not saying is 
having a system where kind of everybody can be kind of the the best based on whatever gear they have in their warehouse. It's got to be a combination of gear, skill, maybe different kind of builds can be successful in different situations. So it's it's something that's keeping it interesting because one of the things that I've experienced most recently um, is Anthem. Mm. And one of the things I really noticed there is it doesn't matter what you start out with in terms of your, you know, whatever javelin you're using, you have a huge gap that you need to address immediately with gear. And you're, you're always kind of, you know, beating your head against the wall until you get to at least a certain baseline. And then from there, it's kind of, again, rinse and repeat doing the same thing. And it's not necessarily that the, at for right now that the encounters are vastly different. It's just that, you know, you're trying to at least get up to a basic level of being able to survive in addition to being skilled, right? You know, avoiding damage, et cetera, right? So it feels like it's, you're kind of getting hit from both sides. Whereas to your point, Zeke, on what's really, to me would be helpful is at least you have, you know, if you start out with a good baseline of, I can do, you know, basic content. And then as you get into more difficult things, it's not necessarily as much of a gear check as it is a skill set check. And I think that's important. You can still have that gear component, that build component in there, but don't make it just one kind of major thing. I mean, one of the things in WoW was it was the same way. You every time an expansion hit, your you know decent raid gear, even like heroic level gear, one or two levels in, you were irrelevant, and you had to kind of replace it with greens and. And even then, right, it took some time to ramp up, depending on your class, it might have been a steeper ramp up versus, you know, one more subtle. But the bottom line is it just felt like a constant Groundhog Day with every expansion. So I'm hoping there is ways um, that we can introduce some variation, not only just from, you know, what gear you have, but also what builds you're using, what skills you're using in certain situations. So it doesn't always feel like the clock resets every time some major content patch happens. And exactly. Are, uh, um, you, you're right, Ian. Yeah. So Swally TV guy, whatever his name is, I can't can't pronounce it. Whatever uh, he was talking about, how Switch um, a really good balance for PvP gear mm-hmm. for a while into a couple years after launch. In Sotor, the difference between the baseline player. And the highest possible geared like arena player, which is where I played at, um, the lowest tier person could still fight the person who's got full arena ranked gear, because the difference was it went five percent each time. So the highest gear was only fifteen percent more powerful than the baseline. And while that wouldn't work for like PV- PVE. It could work to a point if you can um, find the right balance to keep it from being too great of a gap from point A to point B. If they let it be a little bit more incremental, then I think that would be a fine um, progression. Yeah. I mean, one of the yeah one of the things I experience in other games that I I would have to say is the most lazy and boring design i can think of is making enemies damage sponges and that the only way to really push through an encounter is to be so godlike geared Mm. that you're doing insane amounts of damage yeah and you know i mean i i my most experiences with wow but the division initially um the you know, a lot of uh, City of Heroes, right, which is one of my favorite MMOs of, of all time, rest in peace, yo. Um, <laughs> but uh, even that one, like the end game content was like, okay, how long is this guy going to take to kill? And it wasn't, again, a matter of anything, but they've just got a huge health bar you just got to whittle away on. So definitely to make encounters interesting, don't always go to more hit points equals more difficult content. Really switch it up. And I think, Diggs, you made a great point here about weapon abilities too, right? 
maybe make certain types of weapons or certain types of damage more effective in phases or in pieces of the encounter or at least having some sort of other mechanics that makes players think versus just you know mashing their damage button until they're done um that that to me is really important in making gearing meaningful because it makes you think about your choices instead of saying okay I've got either this godlike set or that godlike set, and I don't really have anything in between that I should really be looking for. Yeah, because I remember Swotor, for example, like you all have been talking about. Like I'm, I didn't play it very long after launch. Like I mean, from what I consider long after launch, like I played it up until the Rock Ghoul, whatever, however you want to call it, patch came out, and I was really just kind of like, that's it. That's what. Because at that point in time, I was I don't I'd already achieved battle master. I'd already done max level raids. We were the top one of the top guilds on the server. We had done everything, all the operations you could do, and we're just sitting there going at this point, like man, we want something to do, you know. And I had immersed myself in all the story, all of it, literally all of it. So it's not like I, there wasn't stuff to do, running around and picking up the world bosses or every exploration thing you can think of. I mean, if you could do it like side stuff, achievement worthy side stuff that you could do mini games or whatever. Like I, we did it and we were still like, it wasn't like we were just raiding, just PVPing, hitting the end game, getting done and then going, okay, now what? Well, we did all the other side stuff too. We did everything. <clears throat> and so the thing I did like was I was, you know, I remember the getting the different tiers of gear Got up to my battle master gear, and I was like, you know, if, if the kid's got skill, he still can stomp me, you know, and that's important. It's it's a benefit, but it's not a drastic benefit. Like there shouldn't be this insane. And here's where I'm gonna go. We, we've talked about it before. If you watch me stream the Elder Scrolls online, you hear me bitch about it all the time. And it's this horrible system of the monster sets that you can get that will literally do the job for you. I mean, absolutely, literally, I can mash one button to get a set to proc, the helm and shoulder set, and it'll proc, and if you're in front of me, it's going to probably one-tap you. Like, if you've got 75% of your health, it, it more than likely is going to end your world right there. Unless you've got some crazy resistances and a healer running around, the average player is just going to get wrecked. They're, they're, they can't do anything about it. You Could you dodge out of the way? Sure. But it what they hit you with a stun and boom you're done. I mean they tap that one button and you're done. That that or drastic like sets have these drastic, yeah, drastic, drastic bonuses. And yeah, mm -hmm. stats. That stuff so, is just ridiculous. It, I feel like it needs to complement your skill, not do the job for you. Right. Like in Swotor, <clears throat> while I don't like some aspects of gear normalization because it kind of makes progression redundant. It also does help on a balance level, just because then when you're doing these like PvP matches, you feel like you're able to compete. And you're not, you don't just feel like, oh, this guy's just one-shotting me because he's been raiding for a while and I just started. And then you don't feel like it's worth, you know, grinding up the gear because you're like, well, I'm going to get stomped until I stop getting stomped and then I stomp. And it's like, how about compete the whole time instead? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I, get, I can see why some people don't like going that like gear normalization route because, yeah, it does kind of ruin some of the fun of progressing because then you just don't feel like it's like, why even progress if you're just always competitive? Yeah. But, yeah, it's kind of a hard thing to like figure out. Yeah, because yeah, at the end of the day, you wanna you wanna have a system that allows you to have choices have weight, right? And it not necessarily be gear is the only way, you know, the highest weight. You wanna balance it with gear, with skill, with skills you're choosing, maybe how you choose to attack a problem and have that be kind of the the levels, but not always have, you know, one factor, you know, have such a vast, um, you know, difference in terms of your performance than anything else. And sorry, Sam, you were going to say something there. Oh, you're good, man. You're saving my voice, buddy. <laughs> I'm, I'm teeter tottering, man. If it cracks, like I'm a 12 year old, I'm sorry. It's not because, you know, 
I've been working on it, man. I've been coughing so much. Feeling like I'm gonna have to get sick too. So. Well, let's hope not, man. So, All right, well, don't oh. breathe on me, yo. Yeah, I mean, you guys are much closer together than like I am to. Well, actually, so you know what? Yeah, Diggs, you brought up the gear augments, and we're gonna talk about that for sure here in a second, man. Like, next point I want to get to. I want to really make sure we hit these points. I feel like I've got to get the points this week because I don't want to have to drag this one on to two episodes, but. So ways to make gear unique, customizable, right? And making theory crafting matter again. One of the most most important ways you can do that is through something like augmentation. Um, I think another way that you can do that is, and we don't know what the artisan system is going to be like, right? But I feel like they've made mention the artisan classes, your professions are going to matter and you have the potential to just make something one of a kind. Now, if this is, if this is the case, how cool would it be to have a crafter that's able to determine how he wants to roll a stat or a bonus or something like that, or, uh, how maybe even an augment could potentially work in that gear. Then, I mean, that that being an end game to me, as opposed to like just a gear drop in this like really you know vertical progression system we're so used to, that's a game changer. You're relying on your crafters for something significant, right? It doesn't make being a crafter irrelevant like in so many of them RPGs, and and that's a damn shame too because one of the the one of the, my most favorite levels of immersion is crafting and trade, you know. Not so much like the the auction house system, but just, you know, and not the grinding for the, the mats to make the gear, but being able to craft something unique and be the person people go to to get it. If you make that the way that the end game really works, I mean, that is innovative. That is game changing. That's where I feel like it it, it all should have been going ages back and it never did we got in this linear progression system but you know what are some some of your all's ideas on ways that they can make you know gearing unique ways that they can make customization unique so, i mean i have i would say three like points around that and one is they're already talking about doing it systematically right your choice in terms of race has an effect you've already talked about augmentation We've we're talk off and on about weapon pro progression. I think those are just a few ways they can make you know player builds unique. I think a constantly evolving meta. I think it was already said in chat, right? It shouldn't be a one-time thing. Ian, you're absolutely right. It should be ongoing. Something in a sense you're maintaining. Not not that it's like a pain in the butt and it is constantly changing, but constant in the sense of it's always you know there's always something you might need to tweak and work on it's not something that's kind of a major shift all the time and those might come in less frequently but the the point is is you know making sure you have dials and levers in place to give the meta a run for its money i mean you know last time we talked about this i brought up a quote from sharif which basically said you know there's always going to be a choice there's always going to be a trade-off in terms of choices you make. So, um, you know, a simple example might be, you know, like what we talked about last time is having a certain type of resist gear for a certain boss that might change depending on how your node progresses. An evolving world, you know, where a meta that was once powerful now might be a drawback or might not be as powerful as something else until the next cycle. So kind of keep that fresh so people are still working on that. And I think that in and of itself, when you have this evolving, you know, what is good, um, you end up coming up with a more complex answer to that than you would in the past. And that is what's going to make theory crafters really dig in and have a field day because it's always going to be, there isn't, you know, going to be a video. This is the definitive way to play a paladin or a mage or what, ever you know insert class here it's always going to be right now here's some things you should be thinking about but not necessarily having it be prescriptive it's more guidance that to me would be a better balanced system yeah like um so i was thinking about that that topic and like i really want to see 
every gear piece have somewhere around like three to five stats on each one and have them be kind of stats that can counter each other like have you know you have crit multiplier on one item but then to counter that if that's the meta right now you would then start building some kind of anti-crit multiplier kind of stat or something mm-hmm. like have counter stats for everything and you know if you want to come up with like the most crazy build of like oh i can just like one shot people but then the moment you you start building against that then it, nobody starts building that and then it creates this like constantly evolving gear uh gear uh progression where you're like oh well we gotta we gotta keep evolving this meta or we're gonna fall behind kind of thing um and then like for crafting it'd be really interesting to see have like have it maybe be like final craft crafters able to you know build this custom gear but then let's say you get gear from a raid you take it to like a processor and then they add different stats to it like reforging kind of like from wow and then they could maybe be the ones you go to instead of the final crafter. That would be interesting to see if processors had like something extra they could do. And then if you didn't want to do either of those, you could be the gatherer on that trinity, you know? That might mm-hmm. be an interesting way to do it. I could dig that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, both of you, in terms of crafting, right? I mean, make crafting relevant. Give people a reason to seek out a crafter, not only a crafter, but a master crafter, because there's a lot of people that invest a lot of time in that aspect of any game, even when it's, you know, only relevant for a very small period of time. It's still there are people that pride themselves on, you know, always being available to craft something you for their the you know, friends, their guildies, etc. So, um, you know, having those levers to be able to use is, is really, to me, the way you're going to make that crafting system relevant. Reforging is a really good example, or maybe adding augmentation slots, building augmentations. We don't know yet. I don't know if they've ever talked about it, and correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, that, you know, crafters can actually craft augmentations but that might be interesting to do um as an option right is maybe there's some epic legendary etc augmentations that a master crafter can do um again ways you can always find different um point and counterpoint in terms of balance because there never should be kind of one god build there should be always ways that people can uh, counteract it like you were saying i think that's a really good way of looking at it as opposed to it being oh this build is really top we need to nerf it and this you know build is really bad we should buff it it should always be like these are the, the levers we need to do like the stats you know stat counter stat so in that sense you're always i don't want to say it does the balancing for you but it helps bridge those get you know, huge gaps in terms of power level i was thinking it might also be kind of funny is if you could have different stats on every piece of gear like maybe maybe two so let's say there's five stats right one of the stats maybe is like always a damage type stat maybe one's like a, a crit or a hit stat and that can only be exchanged out for mm-hmm. each other and the other one's like either a uh like a damage mitigation or it's like a crit stat or mm-hmm. something like that and then maybe the last stat the final the fifth stat would be something like either a damage type so like fire damage elemental damage oh, got it. and then maybe i was thinking since there's all these racial like nodes and stuff maybe you have a racial damage maybe you have this does more damage against elves or something and then you can be that like racialist would love that yeah, he yeah. would it's okay. I'm getting him a pair of I'm getting him a pair of elf ears when I see him though one day. You know that's gonna happen. Picks, man. Picks. I bet. I bet he'll put them on. I bet he'll put them on. May get him drunk enough or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just don't while he's sleeping. Put them on. <laughs> I'll just yeah. yeah just have, have Stephen hold him down and like put them on. Take a picture. <laughs> Never live it down. That's right, man. It's gonna happen one day. I think the jealous would love that if there was yeah. an anti elf. 
gear set you could wear. You catch him, you catch him on the right day. I, I think he'd be down for it. You know, I feel like he's got he's got like he's got a closet elf living on the inside somewhere in there. <laughs> he's got it, dude. He does. He does. So yeah, we kind of talked about. I made you know the bullet points that I kind of had written down for us to kind of navigate through this conversation. We really tied into the next one, but um. So let's talk a little bit of augmentation about like gear and talent and by talent, I mean skills, right? Like what are some of the ways that they can, they can make that effective, right? Like I'm going to give an example of, of, uh, I don't know if we gonna call this augmentation, but we'll call this an example of how you can take a skill and you can morph it. Now in the Elder Scrolls online, an example of this is, uh, I've got, I've got a fireball. This actually, let's just not even use that because people are gonna be like, "That's not even in the game, Sim." I'm gonna be like, "Listen, it was a freaking example. I should have never tied it into the game." So I'm gonna backtrack, and we're gonna say, "Forget that game." Well, we're just gonna say you have the availability for a fireball, right? And once you've leveled it up, you know, from A, B, C, and D, or whatever stages one through four, and you max out four, you then uh, open up the opportunity to to morph that fireball into two different things. And by two different things, it's it's a morph, so it does something different. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris said listen to the chosen one. I just saw that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, man. Um, so you've got you've got the morph can go one way or the other, right? The morph could uh let's say turn the fireball on. Let's say that originally the fireball does just a hit a damage, right? Doesn't do a dot, it just hits you and burns you for one set amount every time, right? Well, now I can morph it one way or the other. And one morph might be that it does damage over time, X amount for five seconds. And the other morph just says that, well, now it does the damage, uh, but only 1.5, you know, amount of that damage or something, right? So one gives you a dot and one gives you like extra damage or burst to like the ability, right? That's an example of like how an augmentation system can kind of work in Ashes, right? Because... You're, you could take it, and we've used this term a long time ago, Daedalus, and we talked about this previously, which was the essence of dark and light, right? A corruption or a healing or a purifying sort of element, right? One that does damage, like shadow damage, for example. Uh, something like that. You know, you take it and you augment one way or the other. If we take a skill of like a heal, perhaps the skill will heal, uh, but can also do damage to an enemy if you have it going uh, augmented for dark so you can you know use a heal on an enemy but because you've augmented it now you can do damage to it but you can use the same ability on a friend and it just heals them like normal or you can augment it light and then you've got like an extra heal for a friend and you can't use it on the enemy like those are some ideas about like how morphing or augmentation kind of works you take it and you change it into into working in a different way that for us theory crafters is beautiful because that's how the good stuff happens. When you've got the ability to change the way things work and use the combinations of how things can change, you can make interesting builds that you don't get otherwise, right? As opposed to this system of we check these boxes and that's what you got. So yeah. what are some of your guys' ideas as to ways that they can See, make go this Go ahead because I know you got a few examples. So I like how we both kind of thought about the fireball thing first. Like, because that was <laughs> That was my example as well, sort of, but I did magic missile. So oh. for the example of, let's say, let's say you're a mage yeah. and you have magic missile and you want to augment it, but you're going to choose, let's say you choose fighter as your secondary. Um, so what I wrote down, so magic missile augments likely could affect element or damage type effects and range. But they likely won't affect cooldown because you probably want to keep the idea of the spell the same. Because they said they don't want to they they don't want to overall change a skill to be just you know it goes from being a, a I don't know a, a charge to like something that doesn't like move you forward at all. Mm -hmm. um, so you know having a spell be an opener versus an execution move would be something you wouldn't want to happen um so let's take the spell magic missile um and if you want to throw around a couple of augments let's say you're normally a mage with magic missile and you normally use it as a tab target skill and it shoots 30 meters and does an aoe to one person nearby the person it hits right 
but then when you pick fighter, you get a different um, set of uh, options. So when you want to do, you know, the two different things, they're either, let's say they're either tab or action as the two options. So one of the options might be a close range skill that shoots from your mace or your sword or whatever. And instead of hitting two people, now it hits four people. And it, because it loses its range, it hits additional people. So that's how it would kind of morph a little bit, as you were kind of saying. And then let's say that's just the tab version. The action version would now have to be aimed and, and would fire instead of in like a cone kind of thing. It would then fire in a piercing kind of a line instead. Okay. And this would pierce through people and you would aim it instead of it being just hitting in front of you. Determined, yeah. It was like a, a ability like that. And because now it's aimed, they said they want to have it so action skills deal more, more like debilitating effects. So with an action skill, you would want to be able to debilitate someone in both a tab and an action way. So what mm -hmm. might happen is it would, uh, when where normally a game would just like make it so you would like, I don't know, you would lose your accuracy by getting hit by something. In this game, you would have to lose your accuracy and also blur the screen of the person so they ha can't see you that well. Like, that might change things a bit from both a tab and action uh, point of view. That way you're not just, oh, you lowered my accuracy? Well, too bad. I'm playing an action combat-like thing. But now... CCs would have to do two things. They would have to do. They would affect you in two different ways for every kind of CC in the game. Um, anyway, so that was that example for uh, two of the examples. So that was just if you were to augment with fighters. Now, if you just didn't augment it, you would maybe get. Um, you would maybe instead of getting it be having it be a lock-on skill that shoots from thirty meters. Instead, it would remove that 30 meters, but it would then become a snipe skill that only deals damage to one person. And that would just be the action augment to it for the default mage. And that's kind of what I was thinking of uh, my examples for like how they might deal with action and tab hybrid. Yeah, I like the yeah, idea. Make it a skill idea. shot. A skill shot or like, you know... I feel like having something that would impact a strictly action combat oriented person is a pretty good idea. Um, if they could make that work, I mean, could they do it? Absolutely. You see it in like FPS games all the time, right? Like you get to, a, you get really low on health, right? And then all of a sudden you got like this heart beating sort of like red aura on the edges of the screen and you really can't see, you know, like it's kind of the imitation of like reducing your peripheral vision a bit, you know, it's the kind of like narrows you in or whatever. So something like that could be pretty cool. Uh, if, if they were able to pull that off, we're going to say, uh, they lose. Well, I mean, just like just talking, I mean, we focused a lot on skills and I think that's definitely, you know, an area that I'm going to touch on too, but I think gear wise and the team has already talked about it. We mentioned it earlier on the podcast, you know, you can add skill points to specific weapons. So I like the idea of trying to build a skill set and it's not just limited in to what your class primary secondary can do but also an ability to mix and match weapon-specific skills to have kind of a, a really unique wheelhouse. Uh, but the other thing and that I think they could potentially, you know, build upon or improve upon is something that came in the most recent WoW expansion. Okay, I know I'm, I'm hearing groans even through the chat. I'm hearing pitchforks being sharpened, but just let me hear me out here, guys. So I think it would be cool to have an ability, and I think, Diggs, you might have, touched on this too earlier as well as being able to put like points into your armor types similar to the weapon skills and kind of further customize your armor set um, or at least the bonuses you might get from your armor set and maybe having armor type specific skills um, you know like maybe like the weapon skill choices right you invest points in armor skills but there might be a trade-off of doing that versus investing elsewhere and I like the idea of unlocking bonus skills depending on how much you invest in your weapons and your gear. So no depth, God no, no 
artifact power, no grinding for resource, right? It's just your basic skills you get as you level. So you're always going to get those skills, but the choices you make will then matter depending on where you invest them, whether it's in a skill or whether it's in a weapon or whether it's in a piece of gear too. Um, and then the team also talked about augmentations coming from multiple sources. So, I mean, obviously our classes, you can get them from quests, you can get them from rep or a random chance in the world if you discover, you know, something unique um, or breadcrumb to a larger, you know, encounter. So that opens up a wide variety of options. One of the other things that I actually thought of today when I was coming up with my notes is in addition to like the kind of fundamental behavior changes or potential improvements, or, you know, trade-offs for, um, you know, augmenting specific skills is that I, I think the team um, talked about making augmentations very visually unique. So one of the systems in a game that I, I played for a while, Champions Online, had options to tweak where animations came from, um, the colors of skills, etc. And to me, that was one of the more fun features of the game. Now, it had no power, um, I would say, power difference, whether or not you had a blast come from your mind or from your hand, you know, or from your chest, right? But it also brought a really way to, unique way to customize your skills. So in addition to having like the power choices you make, you know, they talked about, you know, having a tank have a shield wall that's totally unique to them. And we know that that Sim shield wall, whenever he drops it on the battlefield, yeah. I think that would be a great way to have augmentation be customizable. And I know it's possible to do if you build it from the baseline and um, the way you build your skills, you can just kind of tweak, you know, what colors are used in the animations that hopefully should be something if you're thinking from the ground up to do that it should be easy to implement so i really like the idea of having the same set of powers or the same set of skills being a completely unique dataless version versus a sim version versus a zeke version and as far as like i don't have specific examples um but you guys talked about some really good ones i know that the team um and you know on on the chat here has talked about it too but I mean, there's ways you can play with range, area of effect, type of damage. Do I want to do, you know, darkness? Do I want to do frost, electricity, fire, etc.? Do I want to add a secondary effect, a dot, a buff, a hot, you know, mana over time, a snare, stamina over time? Yeah, a snare, right? Um, sleep, mez, knockdown, knockback. Exactly. I mean, movement speed, casting speed, buffs. You know, changing, and I think the one thing that I don't recall them specifically talking about not being able to affect casting time but again i see that as a lever somebody might be able to use to say well if i want an instant it maybe doesn't do as much damage as an instant spell or a point blank spell but it might do you know it might do more damage if i have more of a channeling of it so kind of and also maybe impacting the range of the duration of the effect and somebody mentioned right here in the chat what resources it uses could it be stamina if if i use a spell am i completely exhausted after i'm done with it but is it you know if it hits it's you know a huge boon for me right either in damage or buff debuff to uh to a friend or you know, enemy respectively and then switching between action and tab i think that's something pretty basic they've talked about already and you had a really good example Z. and then kind of my flavor on it is you know animation color i think that would be cool again so not only does it give a player a really unique set of choices but it also gives them an ability to be unique on the battlefield so you know if you've got you know purple lightning coming down on your head it's most likely you know daedalus on some sort of you know storm summoner or something like that right so again you you have those choices to make and it gives you a little bit more to deal with in addition to processing what people are doing. What are they really casting? What should I do to, uh, you know, to avoid that or mitigate that? Yeah, and that's we have people in chat going, going, oh shit, because 64 combinations. Yeah, 64 classes because you have eight classes. 
or archetypes they're calling them and you cross each individual one with their own or seven others so eight total so each one can cross with the original eight and then you get those combinations for each one and then you you know you do that with eight classes up to 64 it's a lot it's a lot of different actual possibilities <clears throat> what that's actually going to change via augmentation that's another question um you know, uh, yeah, we're going to speculation. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. Cause you were, you all were discussing in chat, like, you know, the Ranger ability and that's just like, that's the most superficial example they've even given us. And whether that's going to hold any, any weight when they actually get to showing us what happens. I mean, you yeah, know, that, that could, could change a lot. Exactly. And because everything that they so far have shown us, I mean, I, from my perspective, I'm just going, I'm just going, this is just, uh, this is just like placeholder stuff right now. We're going to see some of it later, but I mean, the reason I think it's important to look at it as placeholder is because we saw things like way back, and this has been a point of conversation somewhat recently, is in the mage, mage video way back in the day, um, I feel like someone brought up on my channel they've been removing some of the uh, videos on YouTube. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, they've been kind of taking some of the older ones down. I don't really know why or if that's even happening. It's worth checking out. Someone can maybe validate that for me. Um, but they seem pretty confident that was happening. I don't know why. But, I mean, one example is like the mage that glides over. You know, remember that? It's like one of the earliest videos. She glides over that, like, kind of big gap, right, and makes her way into a cave after she, she glides over or levitates over. And that was something they discussed was, you know, probably not even going to be in the game. More than likely. Yeah, so, they talked about that at PAX West. Yeah. And they were saying how they, like, they were like, oh, yeah, we tried that for a minute. And then we realized you could just walk right over the castle walls and just clean it. And we're like, yeah, probably should remove that. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, one thing to keep in mind, too, and I know I've mentioned this previously, is uh, we know in the Kickstarter that they talked about there being skill variants. Remember that? There being skill variants. So, I mean, that's just one of the coolest things that they could do is to make it to where you have a variant for your, your abilities. You know, maybe, you know, I mean, I don't know any game that's like that. I'm sure there is one out there, but I haven't played an MMO where I'm able to like, let me go in and flip this like knob and change the way things look a little bit and yeah. make it so my magic. City heroes and mm -hmm. uh, verse online. You pretty much do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, but another thing was like, you know, they've been going for this kind of. Yeah, exactly. Diggs is saying consider a Paladin having a self heal as being a new skill, but I guess that's semantics. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, what I was going to say was like, you know, they're going for this kind of modular design idea about a lot of different things. Like, you know, we're talking about uh, uh animal husbandry we're talking about you know uh the armory armor sets and systems yeah um i feel like that's going to be a kind of core component to a, a lot of how they're kind of approaching uh, different things in the game so i mean if they if that's the case it would make sense that that's something that could be possible if they if they wanted to do that just like uh dying armor sets etc so i think that would be really cool i like the ideas around that um uh, ways that you can make the skills behave differently is something we've already talked about. Um, but this is, uh, I feel like this is probably as we're kind of coming towards the end of our episode here, uh, before we get to that, uh, I want to kind of talk about this one, which is, you know, I say it all the time, don't make our, our hard work irrelevant. Don't make it irrelevant. Uh, don't dumb down the content. Why is this, imp why is it important? Um, don't dumb down crafting. I mean, that's one of the things as we're talking about artisan that I feel like is vitally important to talk about because in every MMORPG I've loved, I've seen that happen to the, to the professions. It's happened in ESO. It's happened in WoW. Those are the two main ones that I've dedicated the most significant amount of my time in. And in both of those offhand, like, look, I, I, I dug into SWOTOR, I've dug into Rift, I dug into Terra. But I never dug in as deeply and as as heavily as I have in ESO and WoW. And those are the two where I've looked at it and I've gone, you've made crafting over time irrelevant. 
Well, what is wild? What is wild crafting about right now? Making money. <laughs> and yeah, you can make you making can make money to a point though. To a, just, yeah, it, it plateaus, and then that plateau becomes less and less lucrative mm-hmm. over time until they create the next plateau. And, and most of the time, it's what like this basic bitch gear that you go and you you can get crafted. That it, let's be real. Because of the way content is in World of Warcraft, like, I don't want to even need to do Heroic, dude. I went straight from Normal to Mythic in Legion. Like, I'm I'm not saying I'm the best, but I'm if I'm decent, I can do that. It's not that big of a challenge anymore. So if I can bypass Heroic, why am I going to need your BOE crafted gear early? I'm not, man. Yeah. You know, I just bypass your crafted gear. I bypass uh, the Heroic gear, and I go straight to Mythic. Yeah, I think a lot of the challenge for them to uh, make a solid crafting system is to make it so that crafting can produce results that normal raiding can't, and maybe just have that reliance on crafters to switch up, you know, gear stats on people, or like produce like types of builds that are popular right now or something for your node. You're like, oh, well, right now everybody's running these like bursty builds, so let's build these survival builds that have lots of like mitigation skills on them or stats on them. But something that I don't want to see is like I don't want to see them have so many stats that half the stats are completely useless. Mm. But I also don't want them to be like three stats and they're like oh yeah here damage and crit and that's it who cares <laughs> you, you know i think yeah that's this is a question i want to ask you guys what what are the ways that they can they can ensure that crafting items uh the in-game items that we're able to craft i mean because they've mentioned like your some of your your best options are going to be the crafted items how can they make sure that that doesn't become irrelevant? What do you guys think? I mean, I think, I mean, to me, just in general, just to comment on what you said first, I mean, nothing is more of a, has been more of a dissatisfier in an MMO to me than trivializing the effort that I have put into X activity. You know, achievements need to mean, mean something. They need to stay meaningful through the life cycle of the game, right? Um, so... I, mean, I just recall grinding for weeks, right? On to get a specific PvP rank, PvP mount, only to have that work trivialized a few patches later with a more homogenized system where if you ground enough currency, you could buy what took me weeks to maintain. Um, so, from a rating standpoint, um, and how crafters can kind of fit into that um, is really just, you know, Obviously, the interdependency to me is what's going to keep that relevant and not giving necessarily everyone right an equal ability to craft the best gear. It's going to be a matter of, you know, a gatherer linking up with a processor, linking up with a crafter who might link up with a raider to get a certain set of materials to be able to create something and always make that relationship fresh so again if encounters are changing over time you're always going to be looking for or looking after something and it's going to again make make not only that crafter but that relationship between the various types of crafting and the raiders you know interdependent relevant all the time to me that's a way to do it i mean not without it being tedious right not that it's going to be a grind but you always have you know somebody that you need to interact with in order to get to that best gear and and make it be a community thing to you know raise up people that have worked hard to get that really rare uh, you know material that they need in order to do it and then just kind of on the subject of, of dumbing down content obviously i totally agree with you on the crafting side with wow it's always been kind of a source of disappointment i'm very excited at the beginning of an expansion because there's things like really cool things i can get that really help my character either level and or you know get to that basic level of content at least get to you know your standard dungeon your heroic dungeon etc i think 
this mentality of, you know, the LFR, dumbing oh down content, God. crafting. I mean, frankly, it creates a really mindless, lazy play style that I hope we don't have to deal with in any form in Ashes. I mean, I'm not an elitist player by any means. I focus a lot of my time in learning about my class, my wife, even more so than me. She's, you know, the main person that researches her class, looks at the people doing the top content, tries to understand what they're doing, plays with different builds. I tend to look for guidance as well, um, but especially kind of along those lines as well. I do want to make sure that I have, um, you know, some level of education on an encounter, right? So I know, you know, what I need to do in certain situations. So I want, again, that mentality to come back into gaming. It was there initially. People worked together, figured it out. I want people to invest time if they're going to do that harder content. And it's, it's going to be unforgiving and it's going to try people's patience. But I think without having that kind of entry level LFR, you know, easy mode crafting, it's going to, I think, force people to invest more time in order to be successful. And that's the way you're going to, you know, allow players to, you know, conquer that harder content is because they're spending time actually learning how to conquer that content versus having it spoon fed to them or AF King and an LFR. Yeah. I kind of hope that, uh, the whole, no, uh, you know, no worldwide auction house, like kind of helps towards crafters being able to produce these like, you know, meta like gear sets, like maybe, you know, having it be like, Oh, well, this note is focusing, the crafters on this note are focusing only on these meta gear sets, but the counter to like, like I was saying earlier, stats need to have some kind of counter stat to them so that when you see like your enemy node all building these like heavy, I don't know, burst sets, you're going to some other node or your node. And this guy has, this whole time has been just building these like self heal sets or something the whole time. And like, you know, that kind of thing would be really nice to see for like local uh, economies to where like you have to go and seek out these other types of gear and you're like, oh, well, this is good against this, but it's only being made way in the northeast or way in the south or whatever. And all the ones in the central nodes are all building these like meta builds or whatever. And it'd be really cool to see like lots of counters to everything. So uh, this is one thing, and I, I didn't really think of it until just now, but, you know, there in several games I've played, you have a system around crafting where it's like, well, there's a chance your shit will break. Right? What are some of your thoughts about them having a system in where it's like, you know, you dump more resources into it, for example, or you have one particular item that's tougher to get, but if you have enough of them, then your percentage chance goes from being like maybe 25% chance to craft it successfully to 50% to 75% to 100%, meaning I'm not going to break shit, I'm not going to lose my resources, it's not going to break. Now, you've got a system like that in ESO where it's pretty, It's it, and here's what I'm bringing it up, where it's pretty good because you can dump in for draw wax, for example, which is uh, the yellow item created for the highest um, uh, quality type that you can make of anything leatherworking or uh, uh, cloth, cloth or leather, right? So you can use this draw wax and you have, let's say you've got four of them, right? Well, if you only put one in, you get 25%. If you put in two, 53, 75, four, 100% chance to craft it at yellow quality, right? And you're not going to risk any chance of breaking it, right? The beauty of that is that item then becomes very valuable. And if it's harder to get that from processing or whatever, then it makes it, you know, you, you've got more reasons that items are worth more, right? And when you've got a system where you can only get this in game and you can't get it from the cash shop <clears throat> or anything from the cash shop that's going to help with that, then you've ensured that the marketplace, 
the value of things are maintained by in game and there's no influence from like the outside. Right. That's, I feel like very important. Um, because part of the things with, you know, having an artist as a system where you've got all these different professions and I'm doing this one thing. And now all of a sudden someone can just go buy this rare quality material. Well, now you've got the real world impacting this world and that there's gotta be a clear separation, uh, in all things in that regard. Now, cosmetics or something, right? I get it. Look, them, them having a cosmetic shop, it, how you in this day and age i get it. it it helps you can do it as long as you don't go too far with it i don't really care i know some people do that's fair i respect their opinion but for me it, it's the things that we talked about a couple episodes back pay to convenience pay to win that kind of stuff that that to me is far 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 more vitally important to me than something like I can get an outfit, but the best one's in the game, but I can get one that looks kind of like it, but still everyone's going to know it's from the cash shop. They're going to know where the one that's prestigious comes from, and that's your top tier raid or your world boss that has a rare chance to drop it or the thing that's crafted by that badass up on the mountain peak or whatever that, you know, likes to RP days an old man drinking whiskey. I mean, you know, like those are the kinds of things that, make the MMORPG a beautiful thing to me. Those, yeah, those little it's about stories. Making choices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's about making all right. And have it not, there not be an easy button. Um, you know, I like the idea of some risk with it. I mean, something that you know of, right? I don't go, I don't know going in, for example, that, you know, one of these is 25% or not. Right. I mean, if, if I didn't know that and it was completely random, it would piss me off if I lose it. But yeah. if I knew, okay, well, I need to gather four of these to really make sure I get the highest quality craft, um, definitely I would want to do that, right? So again, it's a matter of making resources scarce, making distance meaningful in terms of gathering resources, making achievement meaningful. All of those, again, if it's a known quantity, you just know you need to go through those steps to get there and you need to work with others to get there. To me, that's more meaningful and it promotes social interaction too. Yeah. I don't want to, so like for, as far as the gear breaking things, I want to see, you know, I want to see there be some risk involved with stuff, but I don't want to see, you know, 1% chances of succeeding. No, I don't need that in my so, life. I'm so over. So no, no, nah, man, no, nah, that's the kind of suffering I don't. No one deserves in this world. You know, if you <laughs> like, aren't, I don't like getting. I don't like that some people can get RNG carried in games. I just want there. To yeah. Be, you know, effort equals progression, mm -hmm. and that's that's it. I don't want to see like, oh, I just started, but uh, I just got the highest enchant you can get on this item because I derped real hard and pressed the button, but it triggered off of the first you know try or, or i was just there and it dropped yeah no dude let skill be what gets you there man it's got to be skill it can't be i was a lucky little bitch that was there when the boss dropped the ring the golden ring of lights justice that sim wanted yeah. and sim's crying and out in the backwoods somewhere because he's been farming trying to get that thing to drop for three like for months three years alar just saying alar yeah. from <laughs> Like, I'm fine with it being bounced or something, but the moment it's like here, that's when it's just yeah. not fun. Yeah, it's I agree. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, some people like punishment, but not. I don't want. I don't want that kind of punishment in the MMORPG, man. Yeah. You know, uh, but gentlemen, we we've 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 gone full circle here. We've we've talked it out. I think we've gotten made some pretty good points and brought up some great uh, points for some good conversation. So for all of you here um, on the stream, thanks for contributing to the conversation. And if you're going to be watching on YouTube, uh, definitely leave some of your comments in the description below. Um, I think we had another bullet. We were talking about aspirational content, you know, and the process of getting there. I feel like that's a good segue for the next episode coming soon. No TM just soon. As in next Monday. 
Um, but on that note, gentlemen, would you like to let everybody know uh, your domains and where you reign from? Uh, I'm on the internet at ashenherald.com. You can check out my content on YouTube under the Ashen Herald, and then you can reach me on Twitter where I post all of my new videos and retweet, comment, etc. at the Ashen Herald. I am Zeke the Phoenix. I'm primarily a theorycraft YouTuber for Ashes, and you can find me at youtube.com slash C slash Phoenix Nest and on Twitch at Phoenix And I'm C. Morgan, being your host. And before we get going, I've got to say something dateless. You realize how much you date yourself and me in the process when you say you can find me on the internet? <laughs> what is this, man? Dial-up 95, bro? It might be. I, at Dude. least I didn't say AOL, so... Oh, <laughs> man. AOL.com. Next <laughs> week on Ashes Pathfinders, your intro music will be the sound of dial-up for five straight minutes. <laughs> you all yeah, for you. yeah oh man sound sound bites here we go um ladies and gentlemen it's been fantastic thanks for hanging out and uh we'll be back next week 8 p.m central standard time right here on the home of the crusade you guys have a great week thanks for chilling hanging out check us in the comments on youtube and until next time i'll catch you on stream you guys have a great week <laughs>